Welcome to our weekly meal. We, we mean weekly Wednesday night sheer. Wow, what a passion. The Nishmas, of course. Nachm Yaakov and Sihir Shalom Shalom. And Bechevachana, Allah Shalom. Bas, Bazachayim, Bavrom, Shihir. Um, this week's Pasha, as we all know, is Pasha Shalach. The Shabbos also Shabbos Mavarch Machidish, Chidish Tammuz. Um, what else do we have action packed? We have today, of course, the date, Chof Sivan, a date of its own that needs to be spoken about in many different ways. Firstly, Chav Sivan, since we're giving um, dedications. Chav Sivan is the yard site of the Marad Asra. Rav Yehuda Kalman Marlow. Um, Chusyog Naleinu. And today is, was his Yotzeit Chof Cheshvin. Interesting to note, on the wonderful world of Michigan or WhatsApp, today went around. It wasn't only, it didn't start in WhatsApp, obviously. The New York Times crossword puzzle. I guess it's today's New York Times crossword puzzle. Let me just make sure it's today's. Yeah, it's today. And, oops, I pushed the wrong button, sorry. And the crossword puzzle, the clue, apparently in the crossword puzzle they have a clue. And the clue, you have to figure out the word with that many letters to go into that line. The clue was, Jewish organization known for its outreach work. It's question, it's 18 across... And it's a six-letter word, which, as you know, is Chabad. C-H-A-B-A-D. That is the word, that is the response, the answer. For today's 18 across in the New York Times crossword puzzle. Um, it's ironic, almost, that that happens today, that connects... A, Chabad to the crossword puzzle, or the fact that I, it brings it up today, so I had mentioned it today by the Shir, because the Rav, as a young boy, at the age of, I think, 15 years old, used to pass time sometimes with crossword puzzles. And uh, people, <coughs> experts, professors, and great, great minds that would sit there to do the crossword puzzles in a contest, in a time span, and he would, at 15 years old, he would always beat them, hands down. <laughs> so it's interesting to note that today they bring up the concept of the crossword puzzles. Um, the Rav, Rabbi Marlow, was a... Ish Halacha. Ish Halacha 
a man that lived halacha, he breathed halacha. There was, you watched him, his nuances, his emotions, his hand motions, they, the way he walked, the way he behaved, the way he, it was all halacha. Everything coincided with halacha the way it had to be, the way it should be. And you were able to get a psak din from watching him. You were able to get a ruling on how to behave, how to do something, just by watching the way he worked, walked and talked. He was a tremendous honor, but also a tremendous baltzadakr. He's an extremely, extremely humble person. He never stepped on anyone's toes, shall we say. He did his thing the way he had to do it. Not talking miracles. (laughs) He was once walking, I guess it was the night they throw the eggs around here, it was a Friday night. He would walk home himself. He'd walk home very late at night, actually. And he was walking home, and unfortunately, some hooligans were throwing eggs, and he got it all over his back. But he wouldn't walk around without a coat on Shabbos, because he wore a silk kapata. He had to wear, or whatever reason, not going to mix in why. He wouldn't walk without a coat on Shabbos, no matter what the weather was. And um, the next morning, he didn't even realize that he had how bad the coat looked. Next morning, he had come to the mikveh, and um, I saw his coat was totally besmeared. And um, I we went to my house, which was next door to the shul over there, the mikveh, and he exchanged coats. We took his, he took my coat. Mm-hmm. It's a little bigger for him. Um, yay. when he returned the coat he made sure to have it dry cleaned <laughs> what for, why, when, where this is how he was There was nothing, I mean, he never took anything for granted. And never would, he was really a, a typical example of Sena Matanis Yichya. He didn't like when people gave him, gifted him things. And that's why ultimately he lived in a, an apartment on a fourth floor, rather than a house. And although there were many people in the community who prepared to buy him a house, but his wife also said she should didn't be well. There's no way they're taking a house from the community and then have to be beholding of the community. And uh, of course, in his eyes, it was a level of uh, bribery, and therefore he would never touch that either. Um, but he's also very sensitive to the issues. He knew. 
what a person needed to hear. He didn't curve, he didn't deviate from halacha. But he would tell the person the halacha, he would give the person the psak in such a way that even if it was something that they were dreading to hear, they were happy to hear it when he said it. Which fits in to part of the themes of tonight's shir. Meish Rabbeinu, Shlach Lecha Anoshim, the first Rashi, not the first or second Rashi, says Lecha, why Shlach Lecha? Ledait Lecha. David gives Meisha a whole new perspective. David tells Meisha there is a concept called Ledaitacha. Up until this point in time, when Meisha stood by the snare, the burning bush, or any other confrontation that Meisha had with David, the meeting with David. Meshim never presented his opinion. He begged and pleaded on the behalf of the Jews, but didn't say, I think they should stay alive. Take out my name from your tater if you're going to do that. Was it a dare? Wasn't it a dare? Meshim didn't dare the Bani Shalom. Meshim meant it. Full-heartedly. To say that if you're going to destroy the Jewish nation, I don't want to have anything to do with this data. I don't, I don't have anything to do with it. I don't want my name mentioned in this data. So Meshach was what's called a Rayanemon. A true, true, through and through thorough pastor. He looked after his sheep, looked after his flock. Each and every Jew was one entity at a time. There was no Jew that was more important than the other. I'm giving you a new concept which is that you have an opinion. You can voice your opinion you can say what you think. This concept that the Avishti gives to Mesha is what's known as Das Tera. Das Tera is the Tera opinion of how one needs to act, behave, and live. Now up until this time, People lived on what they heard from Meish Rabbeinu. They lived on what was taught to them from the Skenim. But people did not have always direction. And we'll soon discuss direction. How does a Jew take direction what is direction of a Jew? What is meant by the Jew asking or keeping direction?
In the beginning of the parsha, it tells us Vayikra Moshe Lahishaya Benun Yehoshua. Moshe called Hishaya Benun Yehoshua. Twelve spies went out to look to search through the land. You can partake of anything you want to partake while I'm talking. Just don't talk. Huh? Oh. And each one, before they went out, had their own attitude and approach. It was only to Yeshua that Moshe calls him over and says to him and blesses him and adds his name from Hesheya to Yeshua, changes his name. Why? And the Gemara explains, if you're keeping score at home, it's the Gemara and Saita, which we just learned, 34, side 2, Lamedalit Amid Beis. And the Gemara says, because the change of name was a hint to a prayer that Moshe uttered for Yeshua, Yudke Yeshiacha, Matzas Meraglim, the Almighty should save you from the advice of the Meraglim. We have a few questions that involved in this thing. First of all, at the time, it says, Kulam Anashim. They were all righteous people. So why did Yeshua have to be saved from? They were all good people here. What, what, what changed here? Otherwise, Moshe wouldn't have sent them. And why did he need one prayer, Dafka for Yeshua? And if he saw that something was going wrong, he should have prayed for all of them. Moshe obviously saved Yeshua. His prayer saved Yeshua from doing wrong. So why didn't he pray for all twelve? And they all would, none of them would have done wrong. The sin of the Miraglam was not a simple sin. The Miraglam were not simple people. They were all heads of tribes. They were Nisim. They were Tzadikim. What they did though, was they took in their own opinions here. Tzaddikim have two approaches to their avodah Hashem. You have Tzaddikim that work on themselves and elevating and purifying themselves. They cut themselves off from the world. And then you have those that give themselves, devote themselves to the generation. To everything that has to happen in the generation. The first approach very few Tzaddikim have. The first approach that they involve and work on themselves constantly to elevate and purify themselves are very few. They're attached to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We see of Shimon Bayechai. Shimon Bayechai said, Efshir Adam Chedesh Vizaydeya. Gimara and Brachis, keep the score at home, Lamadeya Medbez, 35 side 2. When he came out of the cave, he asked, Is it possible? A person is chedish and zayreya. Teira matayaleh. What's going to be teira on you? And this is why the Gemara says, "Harbe asuk Rabbi Shimon by Yechai, but they also be adam." Many tried to do like Shimon by Yechai and didn't succeed. The second approach is being a manik, being a leader, not considering on his own. 
but on the nation, the needs of the nation. This was Meshach Rabbeinu. He devoted his entire life, even for the wicked of Am Yisrael. The way they sinned, by the Chet Eagle, as we said before. That Meish Rabbeinu stood up for the Jews. Even the ones that just deemed, they just served the golden calf. And said, I will be buried with these people. So when Mashiach comes, he won't say, we don't need those Jews. Because he's going to have to come take me out of the desert. So Mimele is going to take all the other Jews as well. Moshe allowed himself to be buried outside of Etzisel even, so that the other, all the Jews that die in the Midbar will also be able to come in with him. Will also stand up for Mashiach. This is called a leader that devotes himself totally to the nation. And he wants only for the generation and for the good and the sake of the generation. Mesha noticed though that the approach the Miraglim took they were told to go Lasur Esaretz Lasur is to just tour the nation tour the land, just look it through not Lachper which is to spy out and to dig and to find everything just go check it out see how beautiful it is but he heard the Miraglim talking about going to be Khefer Therefore he understood what was going on here, what was going wrong. And from this Atzas Miraglim is what Moshe tried to uh, save Yeshua. This is what he prayed for him. The Miraglim themselves had a different sort of a problem. The Miraglim themselves were also Tzadikim. But they were Tzadikim that attached themselves fully to God. And by their attaching themselves fully to God, in a desert, were no distractions, there was no reception, no cell phone reception, there was no internet. Believe this? In the desert, they, they, they went 40 years with none of this? Unbelievable. We can't go 40 minutes without it. It's a 40 years they went wandering without any internet, without anything. The only thing they occupied their lives with was studying Torah and praying to God. And they were able to live on spirituality. They lived physically from the man, the slav, from things that had to do literally only with God. Pure spiritual things. The man came down and this is what they ate. This is what, this, this is what sustained them. Being told now, go into the land and you're going to have to involve yourself with mitzvot. What mitzvot do you have to involve yourself with? Truma, Meiser, Peya, Leket, Shikha. All these mitzvahs involve in farming. You have to be a farmer. You have to go out into a field, do this mundane physical work, physical labor, and then 
you will be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish in that so. So they said, excuse me, that's not what I signed up for. That's not where I parked my car. I want to only be connected to God. I want to do nothing else and have nothing else except for God. And Godliness Himself. I want to live only off the man and off the slav and all the things that come from heaven. Why? Do you have to deter me? Why do you have to take this away from me? And bring me down to mundane world. I don't want to do this. Therefore the Miraglim looked for a reason not to go into the Holy Land. But not because they were wicked, but because they didn't want to give up this beautiful lifestyle. And later in the Parsha, it talks about the mitzvah of taking challah. Separating challah. Baking a dough, you take a large dough, and you take off a piece of this dough, and you make this for challah. Right after the story of challah, it talks about Avedizara, idol worship. <coughs> and this is we learn in the Medrash Rabbah, Vayikra Rabbah, it says, Anyone who does the mitzvah of challah is as if he destroyed Avedizara. But then the Medrash continues and says something very scary. Someone who doesn't take challah from the dough is as if he does Avedizara himself. As if he supports and builds Avedizara. A simple, mundane, simple, mundane looking mitzvah of taking off challah. Okay, it's a bad thing. You don't take off, you don't get. But to say that it's compared to Avada Zarah, this is extreme. What is Avada Zarah? Avada Zarah is ultimately, in essence, it's denial of God. It's saying that there's another deity. It's saying that nature did it. It's saying something. Uh, you're saying that God is not the one in control. This is the concept of Nizara. Let me look great for just please, on the top shelf the left. When a person goes out and plants his field, takes the seed and puts it in the ground, who put the seed there? Hey. Who planted it properly? Me. Who watered it well? Me. Who saw to it that the stalks come upright? Me. And everything, the whole process through. Who put the exact amount of water, of salt, of oil, of yeast, and everything into this dough? Me. So the person is now getting a little bit of a... Anybody for a... A mixed message. Confusion. And they're forgetting. They're losing focus here. And they actually think there's something here that I did. Tells us, David, you have a mitzvah. This dough that's making you feel so proud and rising to make you look proud, this very dough, you're taking a piece off and you're giving it to God. Why? To remind yourself, it's not you, it's God. So therefore, you, the person that takes away challah, person that takes away challah, is causing 
the destruction of Avedizara. Because he is showing that it's not anything else but God. And although this entire process looks like the physical human being went through it, the human being made the wheat and the dough and the, everything that he made here, but ultimately before I could do anything to this dough, before I could partake in this, I have to give the owner, the real chief, the real creator of this. They tell a story of a chassid, he was a very learned man, but unfortunately he was very, very poor. And Pachosha to today's days, similar to today, when a person doesn't have money, he's not a good candidate for bachelorhood. The guys that got the money, everybody's chasing. Mm-hmm. Guys that don't have money, eh, they don't have money, what does he do? Tell the, the story on top of a story of the guy that comes to sit down with his girlfriend's father the day before he's ready to propose. He's coming to ask permission. And the father says, tell me, how are you going to support your daughter? How are you going to support my daughter? He says, God will provide. How will you buy a house? He says, God will provide. How will you pay for a car? He says, God will provide. How will you send the children to school? He says, God will provide. He puts his arm around the boy, he hugs him, he says, I welcome you to my family. You can marry my daughter. The wife is sitting there, eyes bugging out. She says, are you crazy? This guy's a shlomazel. He can't do anything. He's, he says, are you kidding? He's the first guy to call me God. <laughs> so, <laughs> he was very happy. This host didn't have a God in that way yet. And his chassid never had no panas, he had nothing to his knife. And there was no shidduch. Nobody wanted to marry the guy. So he came to Baal Shem Tov and told the Baal Shem Tov his dilemma. Baal Shem Tov says, go home. Go home. First match, propose to you, marry her. Now that could be a little scary. Because, you know, today's day and age, after doing all the research and everything else that people do, you find out if the person is normal, not normal, what, when, where. It's, it's, it's a scary emotion. You want to know if you can actually get away with that. So, the, the fellow goes, he leaves. Now, in those days, you traveled, you only traveled by day. You traveled by night, it was dangerous. So he traveled by day, and he came the evening, he came to an inn. He didn't have any money to stay in the inn itself, but the inn had like a little dining room, or a little place people ate. He went off to a corner, he had his little piece of bread and water that he had with him, not going to bother anybody, and he sat down over there in the corner. He washed and ate whatever he had, and he promptly fell asleep in the corner. Around midnight, this rowdy bunch came bustling and hustling in. Jewish boys, drunk like like light. And they said, oh, they wake him up, they're screaming, they're yelling, they're dancing, they're singing. 
They wake him up, and they said to him, why aren't you joining the party? He says, what party? He says, uh, the wedding. Wedding? What wedding? He says, your wedding. He says, my wedding. He says, yep, your wedding. He says, who am I marrying? Oh, we'll soon show you. And they go into the kitchen, and they bring out the girl from the kitchen that was there, standing there in the kitchen. And they say, here's your bride. They said, oh, beautiful. They take a tablecloth off the table, they take four sticks, and they set up a chuppah. Okay, we're ready to do it. We have the music, we have the liquor, we have the sick. We have the chosen, we have a column, we're just missing a ksuba. Ah, uh, they said, there's no ksuba, we can't do anything about a ksuba. Chosen was not a fool. The chosen says, I can write a ksuba. I can write a ksuba. You could write a ksuba yourself here? Okay, so now that's even, it's getting even funnier and more exciting. And he sits down and writes a ksuba. He writes the ksuba, and they make a chuppah. And they continue, the joy is laughing and everything, and they say, oh, let's give the chasna pray a gift for this wedding, and this guy jumps food on his head, this guy dumps ice down his back, this guy kicks him in the pants. And um, nothing. He sits back down in his corner, and the party dissipates. Everybody goes home, including the bride. His bride disappeared. The next morning, he wakes up, and this man is standing on top of him, the inn, the owner of the inn. Apparently he's a wealthy man. He's not just an owner of an inn. And he starts screaming at him, You fool, what did you do? What kind of chutzpah you have marrying my daughter? You penniless low-fraud you are. What is this supposed to mean? And he starts kicking him and punching him. He says, What, what do you want from my life? He brought a fourth. I mean, we made the wedding. He says, Listen here, mister. You gotta make a get. Just like you made a ksuba, you make a get. So, uh, he was hesitant. Shabbat told him to marry this girl. How's he gonna go divorce her now? So the man saw that he wasn't getting anywhere. He's not gonna intimidate the fellow. So he sits down and brings him food, and brings him drink. And he's bringing with him. And he's trying to cheer him up. Trying to get him into the mood. And he takes out a hundred ruble. Which in those days was a two month salary. And he says, look at mister. Here's a hundred ruble. Just write to get. Get this over with. The chassid says, I'll tell you. I'll tell you what. Let's travel to the Magid. Go to Mizrich, to the Mizrich Magid. And we'll talk to him about it.
come before the Magid, and this rich man was never in front of such a holy man in his life. He started to tremble looking at this man's face. And they're standing in front of the Magid, and they tell the story. The Magid says to the father of the girl, Okay, 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 I hear you, you're upset. He's a pauper, I understand, it's disgusting. Um, how much are you willing to give him? To get out of his get? To get out of the right to get? He says, a hundred rubles. He says, no, no, no. A thousand. Give him a thousand rubles, and I guarantee you, he writes the get, and I give you another guarantee. I give you a guarantee that he not only writes the get, but I will find you, I will present for you the match for your husband, for your daughter. And this match will not complain and say that she's divorced and this and that. There'll be no problems, because now obviously if she gets divorced, there's going to be a stigma. A divorced woman is, is, is a big black mark. <coughs> he says, there'll be no problems. I will make you the shidduch immediately. The guy's sweating away. A thousand ruble. It's, it's, it's an un- exorbitant amount. But you know what? He has to save his daughter. He says, I actually have, I have 500 on me. I'll give a promissory note for the other 500. Let me free. So the thousand ruble change hands. And the young man sits down. And they write a get. And he gives the get to the wife. Then the Magad says, wait, don't leave. They're divorced. Don't leave. I promised you to give you a match for your daughter. Okay. He says, right here. And he points at the boy that just got a thousand ruble. He says, and because he was now holding this thousand ruble, his whole demeanor changed. The whole look about him changed. And he didn't do anything. He's wearing the same shmatas, the same everything. But the money all of a sudden changed this person's whole personality. And he looks at him and he says, Hey, you know, I don't mind. It's a pretty good match. Boy, he's got a thousand rubles. <laughs> and they did the marriage again. They remarried them. And the chassid was now married to the rich man's daughter. So we see Das Teda takes away, takes a form that it makes what totally, totally abstract, totally off the charts, all of a sudden becomes a total new entity. The Miraglim come back and they present an issue here. Those people are awfully big. There's no way we can conquer. There's no way we can beat them. There's no way we can go in there. The fruit is so big. They look, they brought back the fruit. It's just plain out of hand, this country. There's no way that we can actually move in here. The people were prepared for a war. A civil war. Yeshua and Kali said, no, it's not true. It's not true. And the people were prepared to stone Yeshua and Kalev. How dare you? We're now in an uproar. We're in a civil war and you're trying to stop it? The Pasuk tells us 
In the Parsha, chapter 13, Pasuk 30, verse 30, Yid Gimel Pasuk Lamed, Vayas Kolev Esa'om. Kolev shut the people up. In simple words. He made them all quiet. He drew silence. <laughs> I was by Shabbat Shabbat last week. And Chassan's um, brother stood up. This is not a big crowd, maybe 25 people. But Chassan's brother stood up to speak. No bang on the table. He just said, everything became quiet. I just burst out laughing. I said, that was impressive. You didn't say a word, you didn't bang on the table, you just stood up and the whole place became quiet. Can you sit down and do that again and see if it works? Just, you take a crowd, and to make a crowd quiet, crowd control, without screaming, everybody be quiet. You gotta be, you have to have talent. Colleague made the whole problem quiet. What happened? <coughs> Ten of the Miraglims sinned, Yeshua and Colleague didn't. We know the Yeshua was saved because Yeshua was saved because Moshe blessed him as such. Kali was with him. And Kali had his own tefillahs. Kali, when he came into Israel, the first thing he went to is he ran to Hebron. He ran to Kever Avot. He ran to the Kever of Ram Mitzvah and Yaakov and he prayed there that he should not fall into this problem here. What did Kalev do to shut everybody up? Kalev said, it's very interesting if you do this in a psycholo- psychology group or something, where everybody's talking and talking and nobody's hearing anything, no matter how guys, whoever's trying to out-scream everybody else and trying to get their point across, nobody hears. Subconsciously they do hear, but they do, they're ignoring it. Kalev said a sentence that got everyone's ear everyone's attention, and shut the crowd up. What does Kalev say? Kalev gets up, and he says, do you know what else Moshe did? Do you know what else Moshe did? The place became, he's going to tell us some worse news than we heard before. He's going to give us bigger Lashon Hara, than we do have when we have until now. We're as is, we're fuming mad at Moshe for trying to get us into this land, into this mess. And now he's going to really tell us the goods on Moshe. Oh, so everybody became quiet. <coughs> and he says, Moshe did for us three great things. Moshe did for us. Brings down three things. He split the yam, he brought down the man, and he brought the slav. Three things. 
These three things made an impression on the Jewish nation. And it also gave a response to all the things that the Miraglam had spoken. First thing the Miraglam said was, Eiz Ha'om Hayeshevaretz. They're very strong, this nation. And the cities are very high, the walls. We saw children of giants there. <coughs> so they saw three things that would be impossible to conquer them. The Jews being believers and children of believers. They saw miracles of God. They saw the strength of God already. But this is not enough. Amalek is sitting by Amalek Yeshiv And therefore they were reminded about Muhammad Amalek. The war, the war that took place against Amalek. Hayesh Hashem Bikrbainu Imayin. Is the Abish amongst us or not? Back in Bishalach. So the Miraglam said, on what are you, where are we relying? You're relying on a miracle here? We know you're not allowed to rely on miracles. Maybe there's some kind of doubts that you're having about God's miracles and ways that He can perform miracles. But that wasn't enough. The Chiti, the Yavusi, the Amiri, they're all sitting in the mountain. Kanani all the places, all the strategic places they were situated. So therefore they said to the Bnei Yisrael again as Maminim, all this that the Kaddish Baruch can make miracles while conquering the land. Didn't God make the miracles with the food and the, everything else that you have? Kaddish Ben Yifuna destroyed their questions. And the first thing he says when you're talking about the Kayach of the nation, He split the Yam for us. The Yam was a super, super source, super power. It was flowing, and He stopped the flow of the Yam for us to cross. And this also needed a Muhammad against Mitzrayim. This also required war against the Egyptians. And according to nature, the odds were against them. But they won. On the second complaint, that we're going to take a doubt, throw doubts over the fact that maybe God cannot perform a miracle, Hagar is a slove. He brought us down the slove. This is also the Jews complaining that we're going to die here. Who's going to give us meat to eat? God saw to it that the miracle is performed. And the third complaint, maybe they won't do a miracle for us here. They said, He brought down the mon. Going in the desert also was a preparation for going into Israel. But still in all, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sought to it to make miracles in such a way like bringing down the mon to the Jews. And this is how Kolev taught the Jews you don't listen to the Yetzirah. Don't listen to all his plans, all his contorted, miscontorted ways. And to fulfill the shlichus 
of Hashem, and then you will definitely succeed. Now, those people that are there's a minig, a chabad minig on Kapanim, and there are some people that do it also. Aside that, they say Pirkeiavis throughout the summer. Throughout the weeks of the summer, Pirkeiavot is repeated. They go through the cycle three times. So, if you repeated the Pirkeiavot now, the second cycle. You'd be now up to Perik Shlishi. I don't know where this is. They stole everything that was getting thrown out because the refrigerators went down. Huh? This week will be Perik Shlishi, which is, of course, with Shlishi means three. This week's Perik Shlishi in the third Mishnah of the third Perik. We have a very interesting point in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Reb Shimon Eimer, Shloisha Sha'achlu Ala Shulchan, Ashgarecha. Three people that were sitting and eating at one table. So again, it's Perik Shlishi, Mishnah Shlishi starts talking about Three people. Okay? Well, I amru divritera. They amru Allah divritera. They didn't talk divritera while the meal, during the meal. Says Rabbi Shimon, Kilu achlum is if chemesim is as if they're eating from the meal of dead people. A little extreme, but okay. Shenemar, it's written. Without makom, without the tables are full of vomit and dirt. Aval, Shimon continues, three people eating at one table. The Amrul of the Vitera, they said the Vitera, Kilu Achlum Mokim is if they're eating from God's table itself. Shinemar, Spoke to me, this is the table for God. Now, the Mishnah sounds wonderful. Makes sense. You're sitting a meal with people, you have to have a Dvatara. And if not, it's, it's nothing. It's hollow. First question I want to ask you is who's, who's talking? If you keep the score at home, the Gemara and Tainus, Hayam and Beis. Five side two. Gemara and Tainus says, Ein Masichin Besuda. You're not allowed to talk during the meal. Shemayaktim Kanal Veshet, Vyavar Desakana. Perhaps the Kanal will go before the Veshet, the two pipes that you have, the air pipe and the food pipe, and the cover will, will open up. Rashi explains, that on top of the windpipe, the cover, when a person talks, the cover moves, and thereby, and the food will go into the food, the air pipe. 
mistaken and endanger the person. Food and drink have to go through the other pipe. So in that case, where does this fit? How does a person say about a meal? Not to talk. And we find a little argument, a little machlekes between Amarayim. It's a Gemara, again back to Saita, you're sitting in front of it, Chaf Aleph and Aleph. There's Saita there also there. It's on Chaf Aleph and Aleph, 21 side 1. And the Gemara tells the story of Nachman and Rabbi Yitzchak Haviyasi Besuda. Besudasa. Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Yitzchak were sitting at a meal. Omele Rabbi Nachman and Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi Nachman said to Rabbi Yitzchak, Tell me something. Say me. Tell me advateda. Omar lay said to him, "Hochi Omar Rabbi Yechonon." Nachman says, "This is what Rabbi Yechonon said: Ain masichin basuda shemayaktim kana levesh to be over this kana." You know, let a talk. Perhaps the vessel come for the for the the, the kana come for the vessel, and it become to be endangered. Now, <laughs> first question we have here. You want to tell me that Nachman really did not know that Ein Masichim Basuda? Of course he made a lot of talk during a meal. My grandfather, Shalom, used to say, when says Ein Masichim Basuda, I feel Ein Masichim. You're not allowed to speak by a meal, even to tell somebody they're not allowed to speak. <laughs> so here we have the same question. He did just that. He said to him, if Yitzchak holds that you're not allowed to talk during a meal, so how did he tell him you're not allowed to talk during the meal? How did he ask him a question saying that how can you say the Torah if you're not allowed to talk during the meal? You, he was talking. And if you want to tell me he had to enforce and make sure of Nachman knew the din, he should have just said to him, he didn't have to give him the whole reason that maybe the cover is going to open up with the cat and the veshet. He could have told him that later. If after the meal he would say to him, why is he Masichin? He could have explained to him then. Why during the meal did he have to say this whole speech that you're not allowed to talk and the reason you're not allowed to talk? Truth is, Nachman knew the law. He knew the halakha Masichin Masada. What did he tell him when he said, say something? He didn't want him to just talk and give him the news. Find out why the Congress was shot. You want them to say the Torah. The opinion of Reb Nachman and the Din in Masich and Basuda. Why may you not talk? Because it's dangerous. It's dangerous. What is dangerous to talk? Sichat Chulin. Stupidity, sports, news, weather. That you're not allowed to talk. But not the Torah. Because words of Torah, if Nachman held, don't bring Sakana. Because Torah Megana Matzla. Torah protects. Okay. Torah protects. So then there was no Sakana. So in that case, you could talk. Torah, you could say. 
That's why Rabbi Yitzchak answered him that what's the reason of Eimasichim Basuda? Shemi Yakin Kona Leveshet, Yavi Ledei Sakona. The halacha is that even on Divrei Teira, like the words of the Gemara, Psachim Chesam and Beis, if you just go at home, eight side two. When it comes to the mitzvah, shame and mitzvah le yada davara. Person can be mitzvah not know anything bad. Shluchim mitzvah in the zokin we say, and a person, the messenger for mitzvah is not damaged. But that's all talking about hechadeshchia chazeka shani. It all goes down when there's a case where there's mamish possibility of being hurt. In other words, you're going through a, a to a street from one street to the next street normal traffic and traffic lights and everything else. And you're going to do a mitzvah, if you're going through a forest, a desert, with snakes and scorpions and poisonous things, and animals, wild animals, then you can't say, because you're going through a tremendously high danger, high risk situation. It's Shekhiach Therefore, he went. To, he elaborates to Rav Nachman and says, "You're right. Divrei Torah is not going to danger you. Divrei Torah is going to protect you. But what is the reason that we don't eat? What is the danger about?" And he explained to the whole dangerous situation. And therefore, since it's such a dangerous situation, therefore you can't allow yourself to fall into this into this situation. Therefore, you must see Even Divrei Torah. According to Allah, the Magna Avram writes that you're not allowed to talk divitera either by the meal. Call Shulchan the Amrul of divitera. He says, "How does it say Kilo Echlim Zivchemesim? If there's no divitera, it's Zivchemesim. He must mean to say that you talk to divitera either before the meal, or after the meal, or even between courses. But while eating, you're not allowed to talk it." But the Divrei Torah needs to be spoken either before or after the, during the, in between the courses of the meal. Why though does the Mishnah take Shleisha Sha'achlu? We're going back now to the number three, which Kalev mentioned three. The Mishnah is in Perik three, the Mishnah three, and why the number three, three people? Bittel Teda is extremely, extremely severe. And the punishment is very severe. When you're not sitting and learning Taylor and you're just waddling, whiling away time, it's a pretty bad situation. The Gemara said, Heaven, if you give a score at home, it's not like Tessam and Aleph. Kol Shev Shalask Asik. Anyone who's capable of sitting and learning Taylor and is not learning Taylor at the time, name it of the Pasik says, Kidvara Shembozavas Mitzvase Hefer, Hikaris Tikaris. This week's Parsha. Again, the Pelik is tying itself back into the Pasha. Kidvara Shambhaz, you're embarrassing the words of God. And therefore, he cut us to cut us to the Son. Start late. On the other hand, the Mishnah continues and says, If they do, they sit and learn Teda, it's as if they're eating the meal of God. This is the whole schar that we get for it. The whole reward for saying it is eating a meal with God? Come on. You gotta do better than that. 
So that's what he says, Shlesha. Why three? Because our Mishnah does not come to show us the reward on learning Teda, or the punishment of not learning Teda. It comes to tell us the greatness of learning and the Hashpah on the eating. Which means to tell us, the Mishnah is saying, the table itself, which is talking different Teda, the food becomes part of God's meal. You're elevating the food. This is with somebody who has to do with three people. What's three? Three is kvias. The zimun, it has to be three. Tlas zim, they have a chazoka. Three times becomes a chazoka. Every spiritual thing that has to have a kvias, it's a pale of something on something physical, goes this way. It's a tater that we learn with kvias. In the time that the meal that we're eating, the food itself becomes Shulchan Ishamakim. So if during the kviyas of, of, the, of the meal, we don't say divri teda, it's as if we're eating for zivchei mesim. Because the teda is teda's chayim. Teda is teda of life. And without it, there's no life. And therefore, the food goes into a gather of death. The opposite of Torah, the opposite of teda's chayim. So we have the union of the three. Why the three people? In the Mishnah, the third Mishnah, in the third Patek, coinciding with Pasha Shalach, coinciding with the words of Kolev, who said also of the three concepts, answering the three questions that the Miraglim posed. And ultimately we look forward to now, to the Bayis Hashlishi, to the building of the third Beis HaMikdash. We should be Zeichel this very Shabbos, to be in the Bayis Hashlishi, on Shabbos Mevarchim Chedish Tammuz, and the take of Tammuz will take in, the strength of Tammuz will go with us, and take us in with Mashiach Sikeno Shabbat Shalom to all.